Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. All right, pull up your big comfy chair and get your popcorn out. We're about to talk about Hollywood We're going to talk about societal angst, consumer escapism and why that's working for the cinema and what's driving the big mass cultural moments for brands and for consumers. Uh, Welcome today to Guy Burbridge from Val Morgan, Managing Director at Val Morgan and Matt Sanwell, Director at the Owl Insights, who is a market researcher. Uh, Matt, what's your take on what's going on in the consumer mindset? I don't want to start... Uh, 2020 in a dystopian way, but... Why not? <laughs> I think it's uh, pretty clear out there there's lots of things that are going on that are fairly negative, whether it's bushfire pandemics, uh, whether it's question marks about the economy and where things are headed. Uh, they're not new, but arguably they're more amplified than ever. Uh, they're certainly on our screens more than ever. So what we've seen in probably the last few years is the rise of this sense of uh, finding our own culture and, and, and finding our own culture through kind of immersing back in what is comfortable to us. And uh, that's in part facilitated by technology. We're able to do that at a one-to-one level. Um, But also I think there's a broader kind of sense of needing to find something that we can relate to, needing to find something that is a bit of a relief from the negativity. You see it in eSports, you see it in... Uh, you know, a range of different activities that people undertake. Calm was the number one app downloaded last year, all about taking those moments of kind of release and and relief. Uh, And I I suppose it brings into question uh, culture and how we can hang together um, while at the same time finding those moments where we can be ourselves and kind of immerse into our own world as a bit of an escape from the bleakness that's out there. We'll get very upbeat in a moment, but I want to get back to the bleak for a moment, which is, you know, you talk about, um, we talked about earlier about the, 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 the level of angst, uh, tension and escapism and fantasy. It's it's not insignificant, this sense across the broad population, or is it carved up by, is it younger people feeling it? Is it older people like Guy feeling it? Is it across the board? I think it's across the board. I think how we release that tension is different depending on our comfort levels around technology and, and just the ways in which our activities manifest. So certainly you know, there's a number of studies out there that highlight that people are perhaps more negative than positive, and that's across the board. What people do and how people go about addressing that is probably the, the point of difference. And so what does this mean, Matt, for uh, the you, you mentioned earlier about these big cultural mass moments and what does it mean for, for connecting? There is some interesting counter trends to all the individualism that go, can go on via technology what are some of those big cultural moments, those mass cultural moments that you're seeing people try to strive for or return to? Well, I think, I think firstly, people are seeking them more than ever because they're less obvious. Through deprivation brings a, a desire to find them and to embrace them. What we're seeing is people are looking in different directions for them. They're not as obvious. Um, I, I suppose in part that's driven by a fragmented kind of media and technology uh, landscape, but it's also driven by a, a lack of leadership. So those places that we used to go to for our signposts around culture and you know what we should think and feel and, and do, they're less obvious than ever, um, whether it be politics, whether it be 
government more broadly, whether it be organisations, the places that we used to go to, whether it be our sporting captains up until maybe a, a good Ashes series. Yes. Uh, Quite fluid, that one. Yes. So where we go to those are more diverse and disparate. Um, but when we find those moments of, of kind of broad band cultural connection, we embrace them more than ever. Right. And what are they now? What are those cultural connections? Because they're changing and, and decreasing in number and opportunity at least. We see it go in two direct directions. So there's people that are embracing, I'll call it more progressive or alternative channels, uh, whether that be uh, kind of you know, new thinking, uh, new ideas, new people, new environments. Equally, there's a number of people that are kind of reverting back to the traditional, the known, the comfortable. Um, and look, they're many and varied. Uh, certainly in the media landscape, uh, one of those areas is cinema. Um, one of those areas is, you know, being able to embrace the known, the comfortable, which is perhaps the medium of cinema. Um, but equally, being able to embrace new and different voices, new and different perspectives, which again is the media that cinema uh, transmits. So there's a number of different places, but cinema is certainly front and centre to it. Well, God, that's probably music to your ears. Thank you, Matt, for that little plug. But just go to you, um, Guy, on sort of this notion of angst, tension, fantasy, escapism. It's all your, all in your sweet spot, really, isn't it, in regards to Hollywood, at least, and, and cinema and film. Some of the movies that you've, um, you've, you've seen come through last year, how does that resonate? First thing to say is it's no surprise to us, really. I think, you know, we've always seen cinemas playing a really robust role within the landscape. And I think, you know, there's been the suggestion that the the market or the industry is going through some serious challenges, no different to any challenge than it's, over, it's risen over, over the years. So we had a fantastic, to break the trend of uh, YouTube plying on misery at the first part of this podcast, but fair to say that cinema's in rude health at the moment. We've come off a pretty fantastic year, both globally and uh, locally. It was a near record year. Um, and we had some fantastic content last year. I mean, there's some really strong results coming through from films like Avengers. So when we talk around sort of driving the uh, fantasy and escapism and the demand from consumers. We had, you know, we Hoyts ran sessions from 7am till 2am for the first 10 days of the film to keep up with the demand. And with that comes the benefits of uh, things like popcorn. So we popped 34,000 kilograms of popcorn, which is enough to fill two jumbo jets for Avengers in the first 10 days. So we've had that. So we had Lion King and then Joker. So from Lion King, the most interesting one for us we saw uh, that Woolworths partnership, they aligned with Ushis. So whilst the results in box office are, you know, really strong from an audience point of view, it's that ability to sort of drive talkability that's most interesting uh, for us. And the results from Woolworths and that Ushis partnership uh, saw a 7.5% rise, like-for-like like comparable sales in the first eight weeks of the financial year, which was in part attributed to the Ushis partnership. And then the other major highlight for us is really The Joker, which was a very difficult film to forecast overall, but we had a really strong run in box office, did over 40 million, and that was just a fantastic success. Dark, dystopian, an interesting take on mental health, and as a result has been, you know, rightly nominated for as many awards in the Oscar season that's about to hit. What are the drivers for some, some of these big hits you've had? Some of them, are fa well, all of them are fantasy or escapism. Is that what's driving? What, or is it the community thing as well? There's a certain amount of escapism, but at the same time, there's just a certain amount. This is just a fantastic opportunity. It's, you know, where people go to have great quality entertainment experiences and the exhibitors have kept pace with that by investing a lot of money in to improve the overall experience. There is also quite an interesting increase in youth 
going to the cinema last year. I think it's up somewhere around 7%, if I'm correct. What does that say about this whole notion where you talked earlier about SVOD killing cinema or SVOD killing television and so forth, but here we've got kids still going to the cinema. Give us your thinks, thinking around that because you've got a really good good viewpoint on SVOD versus cinema. Yeah, so you know, I think the, the perception is that SVOD is killing cinema, but I, it's certainly the, we see the inverse. So our audiences are robust. You mentioned youth. Our numbers are significant. Under 30s are up 7%. And then we have uh, 14, 24 audience up 20% last year. And we see no sign of that uh, changing in any way, shape or form this year. So, and part of that is, you know, people don't just stay at home and binge content. They're still looking for that experience and that shared experience that Matt mentioned out there of, you know, great storylines in, 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 in a great environment. So, you know, we're, we're overly positive about that as a demographic and are doing a lot of work around the role that cinema can play in targeting youth in addition to the other, what is now considered mainstream, so YouTube and social. So, and we see ourselves as, as very much front and centre of that conversation, not the nice to have at the end of every of every, every media schedule. Social researcher over here on my right, do you buy that uh, that cinema and youth versus YouTube and the socials? There is something there, Matt. Yeah, I do. I, th- I think human nature hasn't changed, so we still seek to connect, uh, and we can connect in more ways. But arguably, the the new technology allows us to connect. More in terms of quantity, but in a, in a less rich, in a less qualitative way. I mean, the ability to kind of connect around, uh, you know, Sunday night TV broadcasting, or you know, the the hit show that everyone watches on a Tuesday night and talks about the next day. Those days are gone. There's very few ways in which people can connect around a common thing at the same time in the same place. It's still desired. So, as I mentioned before, I think. Uh, the, the lack of ability to do that, the, the kind of scarcity of those moments means that where you can get them, they're valued more than ever. Mm. And, and that's spawned out with Lion King and so forth with, with the franchise with Woolworths, right? That's an example of how a brand's exactly. tapped those big mass moments. Yeah, it's an example of a great brand partnership that sort of drove a lot of talkability and interest amongst audience. Cultural imprinting, Guy, it's an interesting uh, sort of concept that you've sort of working through have got um, got under your under your belt. Talk a little bit about what that is. It's certainly something I'm aware of in the sense that it works. Again, we're, we're you know, kind of base species in some ways. We need to recognise and realise our own self through the, the reaction of others. You know, we're social animals. We need to fit. We need to be able to reflect who we are. Um, we don't carry a mirror all the time. So our mirror are the people around us and the society in which we operate. Um, the more that we can connect around common things, common ideals, common stimulus, common media, that gives us the levers that we can pull to say, you know, this is who I am, this is who I reflect, and the people around me, you know, this is who they are, this is who they reflect as well. From a marketing perspective, Guy, is there some resistance to some of the notions you're talking about here about cinema, mass culture, on the rise? Is there, a, is there a gap between market understanding of what's going on in your sector versus the reality or are they keeping up to speed on it? It's a difficult concept to explain if you're not a strategist and I'm not one of those, but it's, I believe it's a concept of how brands can benefit from reaching sort of peer group audiences in one go. As a brand, you need to ensure that not just you understand, the individual understands the message, but the wider social group understands the message so that people can pick up on the cues and reflect in the values that the brand is trying to give off. And cinema delivers that. It's a very social experience. And that has real benefits for brands to be part of to ensure that their communication has been seen by multiple people in 
the same sitting. The mass cultural moments for 2020, what's coming 2020 that's going to deliver it? Bond is coming, I'm aware of James Look, We're Bond. really excited about this year. I think if last year was characterised by sort of four big dips, if you will, you had Avengers, Lion King, Frozen and Star Wars, this year is is a really interesting year characterised by sort of greater breadth and depth. So you've got Bond, which will be Daniel Craig's last last Bond. You've got Top Gun, the remake, 34, I think it's 34 years since the first one. Then you've got 1917, which is a fantastic bit of content. You've got stories like Mulan coming from Disney. You've got thought-provoking takes like Bombshell that is out at the moment, but that will only get better. And then you've got, you know, some of the juggernauts in Marvel Cinematic Universe with the fourth chapter starting with Black Widow. You do cite some data, and I'm not sure if it's Matt's, I'll ask him as well, is that you've got an interesting uh, observation about cinema goers and their interest in the Olympics. Surprise, surprise, in an Olympics year with another media company doing some sort of broadcast rights. That's correct. So I think the serious part of the observation is that we see sort of cinema and live sport as one of the sort of the true bastions of that cultural moment in Australia. I think the dynamics have shifted so much in the industry over the last 10 years um, on broadcast that they're getting fewer, as Matt mentioned, fewer and far between. So, you know, but again, live sport is not just what defines Australian, Australia and Australians. So, um, you know, we've recently run some research, as I'm sure you might imagine. We found out that, um, you know, there's also a lot of other stuff going on in consumers' worlds at that time rather than the Olympics. So a third of, a third of the cinema-going audience have no interest in the event and a further 35% are considered fans of convenience so that they'll dip in and dip out ceremonies, key events, and that's it. So they won't stay the course over the 17 days. No doubt there'll be some large reach, but you know we see a real opportunity to be the media choice outside of the Olympics. Matt, do you have any thoughts on why that is? Is this is sort of an interesting correlation? Do they over-index and not be interested in, in the Olympics, or is What's going on? It's our research. It's original Val Morgan sourced content. Good stuff. Well, what do you make of guys' research, Matt? Uh, I support it fully. Those set pieces are fewer and far between. They've got more choice. I think without trying to contradict myself a little bit, the Olympics used to be two, two and a half weeks of just carpet bomb content and there wasn't much else going on. I think people's ability to dip in and dip out and that that kind of learned behaviour that's come from different uh, technology means that people are more uh, judicious and and more uh, in control of the decisions that they make. I fully agree. I think people will have, there will be moments of connection. There will be large moments where people kind of dip in and dip out. Um, and the relief to that, that kind of broadband approach is I still want to do the things that I do. I still want to connect the way that I want to connect. I still want to release the way that I want to release and immerse the way that I want to immerse. So I, I can't see cinema kind of taking a backseat during that period or in the foreseeable future. So what guy should brands and marketers do? What are the progressive ones doing with, with say, Hollywood and, and, and film uh, in terms of integrating themselves into those, into those cultural, that cultural momentum? You're certainly seeing a lot more of those moments where we, you know, brands are integrating themselves into into movie into movies. But I think from a local point of view, I think what you know what marks should do is engage with us to see that cinema can play a solid role on the schedule and what else we can do with the channel rather than just being that nice to have at the end. Increasingly, you know, we see ourselves as playing a more critical role on plans. Um, whether it be supporting other major AV or screen strategies or whether it be more around driving um, integration and uh, local area marketing and tapping into the benefits of geolocation. 
you know, it's a varied and a flexible approach rather than, a, you know, just a one trick pony at this point in time. So 2020, the, the rest of the year, what, what's the outlook for you? The, 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 the kind of, I guess, the couple of key big themes from, from you and what you're seeing uh, in the market and, and what you're expecting. From a broad point of view, I think we're going to see sort of certainly the continued uh, introspection about what each channel is delivering for a brand. And I think I'm excited by that opportunity because I think our story is strong in that space. We've done a lot of work around research to justify that cinema can actually deliver beyond just an incremental reach number to support other screen strategies. But then also to sort of summarise on the macro thing, I think cinema, again, rude. We're in a really strong position to have a great year. We've got great content, great breadth and depth of content, meaning that we can be more flexible and versatile than we've ever been from a solutions point of view. And I think that will come through from an audience engagement point of view across the year as, as people continue to seek those moments that Matt has mentioned, but also you know, the, the idea that you know ever-evolving storylines sort of attract an audience. I think you know we are in a really strong position on that front. Ad market, uh, more broadly, sentiment, um, it's all, it has been a little bit down, down, down. What's on the horizon? Uh, I can't guarantee there's going to be a pickup. I think we're 15 or 16 months of consecutive negative growth, which is... As a market. As a market locally, which is obviously concerning. But I think despite those headwinds, it's incumbent on us to be able to continue to prove that we know what we do and do well and deliver for brands and justify our place more than ever before. And I think we, we, we do that better than ever now. Matt, your final thoughts for 2020 as a, as a market researcher, uh, what, what are the big social uh, themes coming our way, do you think? Uh, look, I, I, can I answer it in a slightly different sure. way? I think um, from a brand perspective, if we look back a few years, we were talking brand love. Um, and I don't think as a society, perhaps there was the, the baseline of being able to lovingly embrace um, brands. I think that transferred to brand trust and it's probably a more pragmatic sense of kind of what brands are and what they can do and what role they can play. Uh, I think there's a great ability and there's a vacuum right now in terms of uh, connection and leadership. And so, you know, a lot of the, the brands that we're speaking to are around how do we create deeper connections and how can we play a role in kind of elevating and lifting and driving the narrative. I think that's where a lot of focus and attention will be in terms of brand strategy and everything that flows from that. Uh, I certainly see cinema as one of the places, as mentioned before, where people still can connect uh, in a mass way and they can uh, get leadership out of that sense of being able to come together, being able to kind of immerse in those big cultural moments. I think the the time is is you know more advantageous than ever for brands to kind of be in and around cinema and what it can bring to them. Great conversation. Guy Burbage and Matt Samuel, thank you. Good to talk. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's moi, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.